Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. When I started this podcast a couple years ago, my intent was to have occasional episodes focused on the role of music in various countries and their cultures. They were going to be called Sound of Your Heritage episodes. The first of these episodes was a look at music's role in Jewish culture and celebrations. That was way back in episode seven, and that episode has consistently been one of the show's most downloaded episodes. I have not been very good about keeping up on these heritage features, mostly just because I have not crossed paths with the right people. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to highlight another country and culture in today's episode, especially one that is so well represented right here in the Twin Cities where I live, and that is the Norwegian culture. In fact, my guest today also lives right here in the Twin Cities. Dr. Melissa Holm Johansson is a native of Halden, Norway, and is a professional singer and award-winning voice teacher. Melissa majored in both vocal performance and music education at St. Olaf College and holds a Doctor of Musical Arts degree in vocal pedagogy and performance from the University of Minnesota. She teaches at Shattuck St. Mary's schools and also in her private studio. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Melissa, the Twin Cities has a pretty unique relationship with Norway. Can you tell us a little bit about the Norwegian representation that we have here in terms of residents, universities with Norwegian ties, and Norway House in Minneapolis? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely a a home away from home for me, (laughs) Mm. which is not surprising. Um, You know, I had to actually like look this up and just get some more specifics on the numbers. And I I wasn't surprised at how large the Norwegian heritage is here, of course. But back in 2000, they estimated that over 850,000 people in the state of Minnesota have Norwegian ancestry. Wow. And that's pretty high. And the southeast part of Minnesota is highly represented, and that actually was um, the location where the first settlers came was southeast Minnesota, mm-hmm. and specifically in the town of Spring Grove, Minnesota. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. Yeah. Um, and of course, after the American Civil War and with some time, the settlers spread out across the state of Minnesota. And you know, not surprisingly, in all the rural communities we have in Minnesota, I think we find the Norwegian heritage strong, very strong. Mm. And then, not surprising to most people, the uh, St. Olaf College, of course, in Northfield is probably the one college that pops in our mind and we think about Norwegian heritage. Uh, also, my alma mater. And St. Olaf was founded in 1874 by a group of Norwegian-American settlers, colonial pastors and farmers, and um, it was, of course, named by the Norwegian king and patron St. Olaf II of Norway. And he had that affiliation with the Lutheran Church of America. So both St. Olaf College and Augsburg College have today programs and degrees for students in both language and literature programs. And I think on average, together, Augsburg and St. Olaf College graduate like somewhere between eight to 10 students annually in a degree program of Norwegian language and culture and literature. Oh, so I thought that interesting. was interesting. Yeah. And, and they both also offer 
overseas programs for study. So in Norway, correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, and of course, here we have the Vikings football team also. And I, I saw that both of the country vice presidents with Minnesota roots, Hubert Humphrey and Walter Mondale, were the children of Norwegian immigrants, which is interesting as well. Correct. Yes. When we had the chance to talk earlier about some of the main categories of distinctly Norwegian music, you mentioned patriotic music, folk music, and Lutheran choral music. Can you tell us a little bit more about each of these three categories of Norwegian music? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we have enough time to really dive too deep into sure, sure. Um, all of an these. Overview, an, an overview. overview. <laughs> a brief overview. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the, the Norwegian folk music is very strong. Uh, and strongly represented today in classical music, in in pop music as well, uh, with references to traditional instruments and melodies and modality, etc. Um, a very brief overview of the Norwegian traditional folk music is that it's divided into two categories, instrumental and vocal. And in the instrumental folk music genre, we find uh, dance music primarily. And in Norwegian, those are called slotter. It's spelled S-L-O-T-T-E-R, Schlotter. Um, they're social dances, very often performed by couples. They're divided into two categories of either being in a two-beat or a three-beat pattern, or we think of it as duple and triple. Mm-hmm. And um, the duple dances, which I think I mentioned to you before, Mindy, are the hulling, H-A-L-L-I-N-G, or, or the gangar, the G-A-N-G-E-A-R, excuse me, gangar. And then the three-beat dance, which is then, of course, uh, the triplet, is called a springer, S-P-R-I-N-G-A-R. And to spring, it just means to spring forth, spring up. So the springer is um, the three-beat dance versus the others. Okay. Um, and then, of and course... These, and these- are dances or songs that kids learn in elementary school. Correct. Is that right? Yes. So this is part of standard curriculum that students learn these folk songs. Exactly. Which is cool. I mean, there's so many songs that I think of as traditional American folk songs that kids don't even know anymore. <laughs> like I'll have students come and we're talking about intervals and okay, the interval of a, let's say a third sounds like the first two notes of For He's a Jolly Good Fellow. And I play a little bit of the that tune and students kind of give me this blank stare like, For He's a Jolly Good f- What? You know? <laughs> so I think it's kind of cool that these folk songs are being kept alive and taught to kids in schools. Absolutely. And like I mentioned too, you hear so much influence in uh which is that contemporary Norwegian choral music, contemporary Norwegian uh, song and piano music. You know, folk music is such an important part of the musical tradition in Norway. And I love that we can still hear that mm-hmm. in, in, in all of the classical music and the contemporary choral music and even pop music today. Not, not you know, it's not all the time, but it's definitely there. So I think mm, Tell me more about the pop music connection. Well, uh, I was uh, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of a variety of uh, pop music around the 
17th of May, which is the Constitution Day in Norway. Yeah. And a lot of the pop music that came on Spotify was very folk music inspired. And I just thought that was really surprising, but also wonderful to hear. Mm. So I think it's going back to the roots, you know, everything kind of goes in cycles. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've, uh, what I've read about and what I hear a lot in Norwegian contemporary pop and jazz music today is that the younger generations have so much interest in going back to their roots and learning about these dances that I just mentioned or these vocal music genres called stev and kvad. And, and what, what those are, are very, they were very uh, often improvised short little melodies, which could sound very modal. And I can get into that in a second, talking about the minor modes. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, you hear the inspiration of these, these short little improvised melodies and very modal melodies that you hear in Norwegian folk music. And I love that you can still hear that in, in pop music today. Okay. Yeah. And so the pop music that you're referring to, that's pop music by Norwegian artists. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Oh, that is cool. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, for listeners, Melissa loaned me a copy of this book. It's a collection of Norwegian folk songs. It's a beautiful, gorgeous book. I'll take pictures and put them in the show notes. But she loaned that to me in preparation for this episode, our conversation. And it was fascinating to look through this. There's so many cool illustrations, plus this collection of all of these folk songs, and then really great information, text, and descriptions about each of these songs, too. You kind of alluded to the different modalities a minute ago. I noticed in the book, it did say that most of Norway's folk tunes are in a minor key, which I found mm-hmm. kind of interesting, because here in the U.S., we tend to think of the minor mode. It kind of hits us as sounding sad. And when I think of folk music, I think of something that sounds upbeat and mm-hmm, cheerful. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that in Norway. Do people, does that minor mode not really hit them as being sad? I think that's part of it. I think that's a very big part of it. Um, I think it's just because it's traditionally what was, I guess, orally distributed you know among the people too and because the Norwegian folk melodies originated from traditional folk instruments uh, and we don't have enough time to go into all the details about those instruments but these instruments employed non-tempered intervals so what we refer to as blue notes you know the blue note scale flat flat three flat six that kind of stuff and these intervals don't typically modulate and therefore, they, they don't require this automatic function. And the more I kind of thought about that, it makes sense. I don't always think that these melodies need to modulate or go somewhere. They just, they can be what they are and, and stand independent. Um, mm. So I think that rather than thinking of the tunes as being sad in nature, if we can, you know, by listening more to this music, we can kind of hear it more as modality. And these melodies being modal, they're more non-functional. But then it, okay. but then in, because of that non, non-functionality, they just have more uniqueness to them, if that makes any sense. Sort of. Yeah. So it almost sounds like they're not necessarily fitting into a strict modality of major or minor. It's almost like this yep. in-between gray area yep. where they sort of just have their own unique sound exactly. that doesn't fit into yep. the the strict box of, of either one. Oh, interesting. 
Well, let's see. So that was Norwegian folk music. Anything else you want to say about that before we talk about either patriotic music or the Lutheran choral music? No, I can come back to, to you know, the importance of Edvard Grieg and his writing and how he okay. and how so many of his songs feature exactly that, those sure. melodies. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about patriotic music, Norwegian patriotic music. Yeah, patriotic Norwegian music is came what we know of as the national romantic scene. Every country has national romanticism. Norway had it as well. And it came out of, for many reasons, but the independence that Norway gained in 1814, uh, the Constitution Day, 1814, and gaining its independence from Denmark was a big um, reason for why this national romanticism burst out. You know, mm. it came to be, and also known as the golden age of Norwegian music. And in this patriotic music scene and national romantic music, you hear folk music, which we already talked about, the music of the the rural parts of Norway, the peasants, and it was so important for the composers and the poets at the time to represent Norwegian folklore and have it be part of their compositional style. And this connection to folk tunes and wanting to promote Norwegian folklore and not necessarily only going with the European trends, but keeping with the Norwegian traditions, that continued way into the, into the 19th century and also into the 20th century. And through the wars, the World War I and World War II, you still hear Norwegian classical music very much featuring folk music. And it wasn't actually until the late 50s, 1950s, where you see a big shift in how composers, uh, which kind of styles the composers of the time chose to write in. So I thought that was really interesting. It's just been such a strong component of classical music. You know, with composers like Edvard Grieg, and actually the first major Norwegian composer, his name was Ole Bull. Oli Bull, B-U-L-L, and he was a violinist and single-handedly responsible for not just convincing Grieg to keep studying and to travel to Europe to study, but also responsible in big part of his international and, well, European success first, but then international success after that. So he's a, he was a very important name in Norwegian classical composition. That's really interesting that all of this patriotic music, which is a huge component of Norwegian music, really had its genesis in 1814, which mm-hmm. isn't that terribly long ago, but that makes sense with the country becoming independent then. Yeah. One thing I found really interesting that you told me is that this patriotic music is not only sung at sporting events, which we're very familiar with that concept mm-hmm. here in the U.S., <laughs> but it's also sung at baptisms and graduations and confirmations which I thought was really interesting because that's not something that's common here in the U.S. Right. You know, it's kind of a combination of these patriotic songs and folk songs and what we had spoken a little bit about, Mindy, where the guests for a particular occasion show up with their own written texts to familiar songs that everyone knows um, yes. that where they specifically highlight the person being celebrated, whether it's the child graduating or who's been baptized. 
anyway, and so this is a huge part of Norwegian get-togethers and coming together and celebrating and having parties that you sit together around a big table and you sing these songs that everyone knows, the tunes everyone knows, but with unique texts that are specifically directed to the person being celebrated. And that is was such a big part of my upbringing and I I love that. I, I thought it was unique and it's so special because <laughs> it becomes right. becomes more about that. Yeah, tell us more about that because my understanding is that if somebody say it's their birthday or like you said, they're they're being baptized or graduating, people will show up with this familiar tune that everyone knows, so everyone can sing along with it, but then they've come up with their own, like you said, their own text yeah. and their own lyrics, yeah. and everybody sings this together. And this is real common at gatherings. It is, right? it is. And it's one thing that I really missed uh, after moving to the States. <laughs> yeah. uh, although, you know, Americans love to sing and when they come together as well. So would it be sort of like if we got together for a birthday and somebody was assigned to give a toast and instead of a toast, it was, okay, here's a tune we all know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Stars, let's say that. And I've composed my own lyrics to this and everybody knows the tune. Here's the lyrics. We're all going to sing this together in honor of this person. Would it be sort Mm -hmm. of comparable to that? Exactly. Yep. And do people just show up with these lyrics on their own, kind of like they would write a birthday card. And instead of the card, they write these te- this text, or is it like somebody's assigned to do this, almost like someone would be assigned to give a toast at a wedding? Yeah, you know, it's these booklets that are being put together, I suppose somebody, you know, it's usually the host family that 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 okay. assembles all these different lyrics and you put them to put it together. And so it's a little booklet for each of the guests around the table. Uh, okay. So everyone is, you know, kind of reading through the booklet together. Yeah, it's it's just a, a great tradition. And that's definitely one thing I miss a lot. Yeah, well, it sounds so meaningful. I mean, just to have that memento of the occasion, to have the, the text that somebody specially wrote this for you, it would be sort of like a very meaningful card that somebody wrote. But then Music just has such a bonding effect. And when you have this group of loved ones and friends who are all singing this together, I'm just, I've never experienced that, but I can imagine it would be incredibly meaningful and bonding. Mm -hmm. Very bonding. Yeah. I mean, I think that the love of of choral music and the love of singing has, has been around for such a long time, you know, and in Norway, it dates all the way back to the 12th century, actually. So in terms of the choral, the choral music and it's important. So yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the Lutheran choral sure. music. That's so important. In yeah. Norway. So it dates back to the 12th century and like most European countries, it was cultivated in monasteries in Norway. The choral tradition consists of both Catholic and Lutheran reform, which I thought was really interesting being reminded of that, that I thought it was strictly from Lutheran reform, uh, yeah. but there are traditions that go that also belong to Catholicism. Okay. And it wasn't really until the 19th century before we see more of what the typical choral singing tradition looks like looked like. So it was until the 19th century before we saw that. And I think one thing when I moved here from from Norway, right away I knew how important choral singing was here, and I could. I noticed right away the traditions that came from Norway in terms of the community and coming together and singing. And that wasn't really a surprise to me. But what I thought was surprising were, were the lack of competitions. 
In in Norway, competitive choral singing is something that's existed since the ni- 1850s. And um, of course, here we have so much emphasis put on conferences and festivals and coming together and singing in large groups and mass ensembles, which I think is fantastic. But in Norway, festivals were still a big, big part of it. But in Norway, the competitions were a little bit more highlighted, or I should say, uh, a little bit more important. So it's it's different. But needless to say, choral music is something that is still very, very, very big part of Norwegian music. I was just reading just the other day that there's a town in Norway, I think a mountain town in Norway with only 6,000 people in it. And within this town of 6,000 people, there are 55 choirs. Oh my, wow. So I thought that was really, that's mind blowing, you know. So they love their choirs. And I think it's, I think it's coming together. It's community. It's, as we know, it's healthy. It's being healthy. It's good for the soul. It's good for the physical and mental state and all of that. Right. Yeah. There's so much research Mm -hmm. that backs that up. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that Norway has really recognized that. And for whatever reason, has just a really strong emphasis on that. This is a quick break to tell you about Sonics, the service that I use to transcribe these episodes. Sonics is an artificial intelligence transcription service that automatically converts audio and video files to text, and it can translate to over 40 languages. I transcribe these episodes to make them more accessible. I tried multiple services and chose to stick with Sonics because of their accuracy, affordability, and because their site is just so easy to use. That's a big plus for me to not need to spend a bunch of time figuring out one more platform. While I love podcasts, I do tend to be a very visual learner. I figure other people probably are too, and having that written form of your work just makes it more versatile. Sonic's transcripts make the most of your hard work and can increase traffic to your site. Sonics is spelled S-O-N-I-X. You can check them out with a free trial plus an extra 100 minutes of free transcription by using the link sonics.ai slash invite slash enhance life 100. There's a link in the show notes. Again, it's spelled S-O-N-I-X and that link is sonics.ai slash invite slash enhance life 100 for a free trial and an extra 100 minutes of free transcription. Well, tell us some more about the important Norwegian holidays and the role that music plays in celebrating them. We talked a little bit already about special milestone events like graduations and baptisms and things like that. But tell us a little bit about the the big holidays and how music plays into those celebrations. Yeah, and I think I alluded to it already. The Constitution Day in Norway is Sötnemai, that is May 17th, which reflects our independence on 1814 from Denmark. Uh, where Norwegians get dressed in their national costumes, their parades, um, big parades in the capital city of Oslo that leads all the way up to the castle where you, you know, where the royal family is standing on the balcony and waving. Lots of music for this entire day. It's a holiday, whether it, fall, it falls on the Tuesday or Friday, it's, it's a holiday for every Norwegian, so you don't go to work. And Marching bands is a very big part of this, of course, with parades. And it's a day where people just get dressed to the nines and celebrate lots of Norwegian flags and lots of speeches. And um, it's just a festive, very festive day and very formal. 
very formal as opposed to our 4th of July, you know, which is very sure. informal. Uh-huh. So I would say Satnamai is the biggest milestone in, in terms of our holiday. We do celebrate Christmas Eve. We don't really celebrate Christmas Day. And that's pretty traditional for most of the world to celebrate Christmas Eve. Most people go to church on Christmas Eve. Again, it's it's a, a service that's reflected with lots of music and lots of candlelights. So it's more of a coming together and being a, in a quiet, peaceful, dark place. And it, that goes back to traditions of, of Yule, where it's more families coming together and you know around the Christmas tree and having um, candlelights and singing to each other and, and more of that cozy feeling, which, mm-hmm. which of course, is a big part of Norwegian winter traditions. Yeah, what's that? Hugga? Or yeah. how, do you, how do you pronounce well, that? Well, <laughs> higge is the Danish word for it. In, in, oh, that's okay. okay. In, in Norwegian, it's kus or kusili. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the Christmas Eve dance around the Christmas tree that you mentioned to me earlier. Yeah, sure. So... People get up and they walk around the tree holding hands and you could have like one chain of people going around and the other group of people going the opposite direction and you sing sing songs around the Christmas tree. Very often you will have an um, accordion player present for this. So it's kind of like concentric circles of people yes. holding hands exactly. and going around the Christmas yeah. tree, sometimes in opposite directions Correct. from each other. Yeah. And uh, nursery rhymes, children's Christmas songs folk songs, a little mix, but very much more upbeat and kind of directed towards children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As you're talking about these different holidays and ways of incorporating music into celebrations, one thing that is really hitting me is it sounds much more participatory in Norway in terms of people entering into making music themselves rather than it being a spectator sport. Like somebody else is entertaining me and I'm watching or and listening to them singing in Norway. It sounds like it's much more participatory. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit more about Edvard Grieg and why he's so important in the Norwegian musical canon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's definitely the the biggest composer to come out of Norway, much to, you know, the credit of Ulebul, which I already mentioned, but also yeah. uh, poets at the time. And at the time where Grieg was growing up and studying music, there was this humongous patriotism and national romanticism, of course, that I mentioned already, kind of a a buildup with these poets like Ibsen and Björnsson, Krag, Paulsen, all these names. And so these poets had such close relationships with the composers at the time. So it was very much a, um, a working collaborative connection where the poets encouraged the composers and vice versa. And they also supported each other and helped promote each other, which I thought was really, really fascinating to, to study up on. Um, but Grieg was born in 1843, and he spent most of his student life in Leipzig. Uh, he also studied for a little bit in Denmark, and then from there on, he went from Copenhagen, he went on to Leipzig. And he, of course, is the biggest name to come out of Norway. We think of his Pergint music is his mm-hmm. most important music and of course that's what put him on the international scene mm-hmm. and much to the credit of Henrik Ibsen of course Ibsen's who really um if, if it wasn't for the fact that this was Ibsen's work then it, it might not have been as popular uh but once Pergint 
became known to the to the musical world his his fame was you know he, he it just took off for him so Grieg is an important feature of Norwegian music. We all we all kind of know a lot of his tunes. Of course, many of his melodies from Pirgint we hear in commercials and hear him on the TV and the radio all the time. You know these little tunes, little snippets of melodies yeah. taken from In the Hall of the Mountain King or Morning. Are any of those melodies included in cartoons too? You know, I I believe they are. I think In the Hall of the Mountain King for sure has been featured okay. in the cartoons. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that comes to your mind that I haven't already asked you about that you'd really like listeners to know about Norwegians and their relationship to music? I think we've covered pretty much. <laughs> we, probably haven't, we haven't covered everything, but we've covered a lot. Sure. And even okay. and it's kind of like scratching the surface, you know. Yeah. It's just yes. you know if we had hours and hours, we'd get into the nitty gritty. But right. Last thing, you know, unless you were going to ask me about the CD. Yeah, tell us about your new CD that's out. Yeah, and of course, good segue from talking about Grieg, because it's all about Grieg. (laughs) Uh, The CD that I recorded is 25 songs by Edvard Grieg. It's quite a hefty album. It's a hefty (laughs) album. A lot of them are short, you know, so blink and you miss it. You know, some of them are uh, a minute and 30 seconds and something, and then some are, you know, between four and six and seven minutes. But... 25 songs of his written in a, a wide array of his opuses all the way back to opus from opus five, which was his engagement present to Nina, his, his fiance at the time. He was only 17 or 18 years old at the time when he wrote opus oh, five. Wow. Yeah. And then it stretches all the way up to opus 71. So the CD covers a big span from opus five yeah. all the way up to opus 71, 25 of his beloved songs. But the uniqueness of this CD, of course, is that this is the first professional recording of his songs performed in English. So this wow. is an entirely English translated project that I was very fortunate to do during the pandemic, August of 2020, just a little over a year ago, where we used the Landmark Center, the basement of the Landmark Center in St. Paul and recorded with me and my wonderful collaborative pianist, Steve Swanson at the piano that was generously donated by Schubert Club. So we had a beautiful nine foot Steinway given to us by Schubert Club and just the two of us on stage and the producer and the sound engineer were in a room next to us. So it was a really fabulous project to have and to dive into um, when we were, you know, all kind of tied to the house and Uh (laughs) locked up. So being able to have that project was very meaningful to me. Absolutely. Sure. And where's the best place for listeners to go to learn more about that project and more about your work? Yeah, if you go to Norway House, um, their website, which is www.norwayhouse.org, you can uh, click on the programs and under the programs and different um, things that Norway House offers, you will find the Edvard Grieg Society. So if you click on the Edvard Grieg Society, you will get direct links to the recording. And the recording is called Songs from the Heart with myself and Steve Swanson wonderful and i will for sure include all those links in the show notes and also the link to your website for for listeners who want to learn more about you well thank you so much for this fascinating information i do ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending a coda by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life do you have a song or a story that you can close things out for us with today but i think that you are about to include the teaser that was part of the 
the concert promotion, um, the concert version, I should say, of the recording that I just spoke about. So I recorded the concert version in March of 2021, and the concert was released on Vimeo on the Norway House website. And you can still find a link to this concert and purchase this concert if you wish. Thank you so much to Melissa for sharing that clip with us and for sharing with us today in this episode. Melissa does have a couple concert events coming up. One is this weekend, December 17 through 19. She will be a soloist for Handel's Messiah with Bach Roots. She will also be performing at a Norway House event on January 15. These links and links from today's show and a transcript of this episode can be found in the show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 117. All links are also in the episode details right in your podcast app. While you're on my website, I'd love to hear from you. Tell me how music is enhancing your life. You can reach me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining me today. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music.